The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Joe. And we have a very exciting episode for you guys, but before we get into that, um, in case you aren't familiar with how we do this show, um... This is, uh, when we get into the Halloween season, we like to spend the entire month of October celebrating Halloween, celebrating all types of spooky movies, all the scary movies, just like my dog is right now, if you could hear that. That's right. There she goes. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and- What's that? Uh, what normally? Allie, what's that? Allie, what's that? You want Barbarian what? on Blu-ray? Do you hear that, Disney? Disney, pay attention. My dog is telling you something. Say it again. She wants the Searchlight discs on blue. Pay attention, Disney. Sorry. Pay attention Sorry. to what you're it, it was something. Listen. Listen, <laughs> listen to the, the dog. The people have spoken. The, the Listen, the most important client has spoken, and she's still speaking. So, <laughs> pony up, Disney. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, so we, um, the last couple of years, got to do five consecutive exciting episodes uh, all about different scary movies and scary movie pairings. Um, unfortunately, however, this year we've only gotten the opportunity to do four because October apparently is shorter right now. And I think just scheduling, but either way, we only got to do four though. We do have, um, that we're uploading tomorrow, our time though, it will be, uh, available to you guys already by this point. But if you have yet to, uh, check it out, um, Joey and I did a, uh, single movie recording on, uh, Nosferatu for the hundredth and hundredth 100 years baby yeah for the for the 100th anniversary of nosferatu um so that's a like a nice little that's that is technically we can consider that our fifth episode yeah it's 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 a bonus it's a bonus uh we had to do some rearranging uh actually because of this episode though i'm glad we're gonna thanks (laughs) <laughs> no gifford you are appreciated but we just had to change some things and um so nosferatu is getting like a single feature presentation because listen nosferatu is a pretty important movie and um we're, we really wanted to, at least i know i did really wanted to talk about it and i appreciate richard um indulging me as as joey does for me on many occasions so this is for both of us and if you like that we do a single feature occasionally you know, let us know. Might be something we do once once in a while, you know, just to, uh, you know, play around with uh, with the format. So we have the uh, single feature for you guys, um, though, unfortunately, this is our final episode of the month. Not only that, but this will also be our final weekly episode until next summer. Mm-hmm. So from the holidays until I want to say June yeah, like mid-June. Mid-June, we'll be doing uh, bi-weekly episodes, so you'll still get episodes, just not as frequently as we've been doing lately. 
Uh, so just you know, just to put that out there, we we usually go bi-weekly this time of year anyway. Like we've done that the entire time, but for the uh, earlier this year, we were doing bi-weekly before the summer hit, so we're kind of doing the same thing. So still getting some episodes, but. You will have to wait just a little bit, but we also have over a hundred other episodes for you guys to check out. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, I've been uploading a bunch of our songs that we've been doing on there, as well as uh, we saw we have five videos still. <laughs> if you want to watch those, um, so we still so we have stuff for you guys to enjoy in the meantime. But we will be still making some new episodes. So uh, gear up because we got some exciting pairings coming up for the holiday season. And finally, the last thing I want to mention is this episode is dedicated to a dear friend of the show, dear friend of Joey and I's, Andrew Gifford. You requested this double feature. You said, hey, would you guys please do a double feature I suggested for my birthday? So, Gif, this one is for you. Happy birthday, good sir. Yes, um, absolutely. Um it's all Gifford's been re-listening to a lot of the episodes, and it's always fun just to like get his perspective, get notes on, yeah. uh, get notes on the older, um, some of the older catalog um, that we don't always revisit. Um, so mm-hmm. that's always nice, and Gif's just a great all-around guy too. Yes, he is. Now, Gif Gif is a lot of fun, and uh, he's actually suggested a handful of episodes, and he's helped us with episodes including um, the Spider-Man episode that he did with another friend of the show, Alex Wykey. Mm-hmm. So if you want to listen to that episode, please do. They, they're they very oh. good together. Oh, I did want to m- mention as well, um, this is p- in the works as well. Because uh, that, that reminded me, that's an episode where neither one of us appear. We are planning another one of those. This is true. Yes. And I'm extremely Woo! Another, another day off for us. <laughs> yes. It's always nice, honestly. Um, no, um, we're, I, I actually got to communicate with those people a bit more just to get more details. But uh, we do have that for working uh, working on that in the works. Um, you know, and it's always just fun to hear somebody else talk. Because I, like I like listening to podcasts. Yes. And I do re-listen to our episodes, but it's nice to hear somebody different. And see, like, the two dudes, like... Um, uh insignia you know (laughs) you know it's just it's just overall like it's just interesting to see what other people have to say and so um we're always welcome to get uh more pairings of people friends of ours you know to be on the show so once we get that coordinated it'll be very exciting and from what i'm hearing about one of the movies is gonna be a good one i'm not gonna say what movie it is but it might be a newer one that I'm very excited to see. Anyway, <laughs> um, to get the ball rolling on today's episode, Joe Dinny Dan, good friend, good sir. I'm fine. Uh, you know, I, I really, what I've been watching, it's weird because I feel like we just recorded, so I'm like, oh, I watched Halloween, but we already talked about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Halloween ends starring Corey. Starring our good friend, was it Corey Cunningham? Corey Cunningham, yeah. You know what's funny? Mm. When I was I was at work today, and uh, some friends of mine at work had seen Halloween Ends, and uh, we were making fun of that aspect of it, that he got bullied by marching band kids. Yeah. And so so periodically I'd walk up to them and be like, hey, I play the saxophone in the marching band. You suck. And then I'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, no, that's just, yeah. I, but, I, oh, I, I play a mean kazoo. <laughs> Listen, you know how I know I'm gonna I'm gonna rule this school because I play the recorder. <laughs> That's some stone cold shit. Listen, I'm the first chair of the trombones, therefore I'm better than you. <laughs> are are you first chair, or did you lie to me? To get close in our relationship. That's a that's a only murders in the building reference. <laughs> I, I went to your concert. You were not the first bassoon. You lied. Um. No. But what what, what I've been what I have I been doing? I've just been watch, rewatching some not rewatching but watching some stuff. I never seen Arsenic and Old Lace with Cary Grant before, and I picked up the new Criterion edition of that. And uh, that's a fun that's a fun movie. It was actually based off of a very successful stage play. Um, and Peter Laurie's also in it. That might be one we'll have to talk about in the future. I mentioned, sorry, I mentioned that the title reminded me of another movie that I've been wanting to get on the show uh, called Blood and Black Lace, which is a Mario Bava movie. So I, when Joey said that, I was like, so it should be called Blood, Arsenic, and Old Black Lace. Perfect. Perfect. And, you know, just... You gotta get, get gotta get Peter Laurie back on the show, man. I mean, he's yes, two, he's two always nice when he shows up on the show. Mm. <laughs> you despise me, don't you, Richard? <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> Only a little bit. <laughs> I don't mind a parasite. I just object to a cut rate one. <laughs> what are you calling me? I don't understand this. I'm, I am calling you the title of Bong Joon-ho's uh, critically acclaimed uh, Best Picture winning film, Parasite. Well, you know what? You're just a snow piercer. <laughs> you know, Richard, you know, oh, I'm going to keep going. Um, what else did I see? I watched... <laughs> I watched, um, I mean, there's other stuff I have been watching, but I won't, I won't talk about it until we talk about our first feature. Um, but I also rewatched Mark of the Vampire, which is like 60 minutes and it's just kind of like whatever, but I love It's directed by Todd Browning and it was sort of a remake of, um, the movie he did with Lon Chaney senior called London after midnight. Um, Lugosi, you know, is a vampire who doesn't say anything till the end of the movie, basically. Um, but Atmospheric, atmosphere-wise, it's gorgeous, uh, but it also has like really fake-looking spiders and bats, which is <laughs> a stop. But but like blend that. It's like it's like an upscaled uh, spirit of ha- spirit uh, Halloween um, store, but shot in black and white. It's gorgeous. That's that's just a positive, honestly. No, that that that's uh, it's not a criticism at all. I'm like, I, it's like it's like like the first scene where you see Lugosi and his daughter in the movie. Like it's like, oh my gosh, this is this is what I'm here for. <laughs> but how are you doing? Oh, uh, I'm all right. Today was kind of kind of a weird day, but kind of but kind of a good day because, um, it was kind of a slow day where we aren't really getting a lot of biz uh, business. I think Halloween ends isn't doing as well as people expected it to be. I think people are still. Um, going to see other things like we still have Top Gun Maverick, which I uh, like prediction. Top Gun Maverick will continue to be in theaters well into 2023. Maybe not well in, but like at least to January. 
I mean, because what, what other competition are we having? Honestly, like, I mean, not much. Like, I mean, maybe Black Adam, but that's kind of an up and down thing. Like, no one, like, I haven't, I, I'm not, I'm a DC guy and I'm not personally overwhelmed by it, if I'm being honest. But, you know, maybe it gets good reviews, maybe it does well, maybe The Rock, you know, is the savior, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, we got Black Adam, I mean, Avatar is coming out in December, right? So maybe that'll do pretty well, unless people don't give a shit about Avatar. I, I honestly don't know. Wakanda Forever, did we mention that? Yeah, 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 no, you're right. I think Wakanda Forever is probably going to do pretty because honestly it looks really good, too. Like, for all the hurdles they had to jump through, yeah. So I'll probably still, I don't know if I'm going to see it in theaters, but I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I just, I honestly feel like Top Gun Maverick's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, it, it's going to be on disc in, like, two weeks, because it comes out, I think, the first of November. Um, and it's, I mean, it's still, people are still seeing it. We're still getting people coming in to see it. So, I mean, I don't imagine it's going to be leaving anytime soon, if I'm being honest, even after it comes out on disc. Um, but no, today was, today was kind of a, kind of a long sort of just boring day, but I was happy to work in the morning so I can have the evening off to chill and talk to my friend. Um, other than that, I haven't really been doing a whole heck of a lot. I've been, uh, um, I've been watching the Halloween movies since watching Halloween ends. So I watched uh, the first Halloween, the original, which is still great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surprised we haven't talked about that yet. If I'm being honest, I know we have we have an episode planned for it that um, I'm excited to do. Honestly, mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: it'd be like a mother mother daughter like uh, pairing. That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> We are, uh, I of course mean we're going to just talk about the fog. No. <laughs> that's just it. We're just talking, uh, that's it. It's another one of them single, single situations where it's just about the fog. Because they're and both then, oddly it, enough, but they're not, we, not mother and daughter. <laughs> <laughs> they're just, they have like one scene where they're in the movie together and you're like, okay, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. I like that movie though, uh, the fog. It was pretty. It was pretty interesting. I don't know if it's my favorite Carpenter movie, which kind of bums me out, given the whole premise behind it, because it sounds like such a cool idea. Agreed. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're both in it, and uh, though I was I was thinking, no, it would be funny if we did a single on on the fog, and it was the wrong fog. We did it on the remake. Oh man, that'd be tragic. It's like, oh shit, do we watch the right one? Where's Jamie Lee? <laughs> Did you so? Did you watch any of the other Halloweens after the first one yet, or are you still working on that? No, I, I just watched the first one, and then I was gonna rewatch like the the newer ones, but I just didn't get around to it. Sure, sure. I mean, i i did I did rewatch Kills. That's still a weird movie. <laughs> it, it 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 is a weird one. I haven't seen it since uh, the Peacock release. It's I don't know. Like it's it's. It's weird to think that a movie like that exists, but I feel like maybe there was like a different plan, but, and I said this before, like, I feel like there was a different plan and then with the pandemic and like January 6th and all this stuff that happened in the world last couple of years, they were probably like, you know what, maybe people react to tragedy in a different fashion than we assumed initially. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then again, 
historically speaking, I mean, it also tracks, but for different reasons. You know, there's just there's many different things you could look at in history. It's like, sure, you know, people freaking out. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think if I did anything significant recently. Honestly, no. <laughs> this the most significant thing I did recently was watching these movies with you, <laughs> because these and these movies especially, I was very nervous about. Not not even this first one. This first one I was just curious about. No, yeah. So can we? I, I can, let. Do you want me to get, give the context for what this was originally supposed to be, or should we even reveal that much information? Yeah, just go for it. All right, Listen, so we we don't hold nothing back. We don't hold much back. No. So Gifford, our dear friend, our dear boy, um, Andrew Gifford. His address. You, <laughs> what do you say? Social security card next, Richard? Come on. I don't know it. What is it? One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> oh, okay, let me write that down. <laughs> Wait, that is also mine. No. Don't anyway, steal my identity. Um, identity theft's not a joke, but in any case, so <laughs> I didn't think you were gonna laugh office. at that. It was the that's most. Just, obvious... an... It's like one of the only office, office things that I know. I, I watched one episode because somebody asked me to once, and I'm like, I don't get it. Sorry. <laughs> I because I do. I got the reference, so it was funny for a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm cheap sometimes. Anyway, so Gifford, <laughs> our dear boy, um, I think he messaged both. Of, did he life. message both? Did he message both of us simultaneously? He usually he, this is a he, he did a group comment. chat. Oh, he did a group chat. Okay, because sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes, listen, that there are people who might go, "Mom says no, Dad says yes," kind of thing. <laughs> who 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 was I in this situation? I don't know. I'm the rad dad. You know what? We're just two dads. <laughs> We're just two. I know what? No, I think a better one is you're a rad dad and I am a cool uncle. You're the cool. Un yes. Yes. Yeah. For sure. But anyway, um, sorry, folks. Uh, this is this is what happens when you don't when you do. Um, this is when way you're past in my any vicinity with me. <laughs> this is way past my bedtime. Um, but. It's it's eight twenty seven by the way. Um, <laughs> it sounds like you're fart. It sounds like you're 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 my your your head the bones are like making a farting noise. <laughs> Sorry, I was I was it was dirty anyway. Oh no. <laughs> anyway, so um to make a long story even longer, uh, Gifford group chatted <laughs> us. Okay, and um he was like, I have an idea. I, that's the voice I gave everybody. And uh, we're like, okay, what is this idea? He does kind of sound like Mickey Mouse, doesn't he? Occasionally. Occasionally. I have an idea. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, yes. So Gifford, we're like, okay, well, what's this idea? You know, he's like, I want to, it's like a birthday thing. And he wanted, and now, now this is what, okay, so the two movies in question. Uh, one of them was Ed Wood. Uh, and the other yeah. was the second film in our series, uh, Edward Scissorhands. Um, yes. And we were like, Ooh. <laughs> actually, you were actually more. You were like, Ooh. which is surprising. <laughs> well, <laughs> we did not feel like talking about, um, two 
films uh, featuring the, the, the dynamic pairing of Burton and um, we're just, I'm just going to say his name, Johnny Depp. All right. Uh, jo- yeah. We're going to end up saying it probably more than we expect. I'm going to say Jack Depp. This episode. We'll call him Jack Depp. <laughs> You did write Jack Dett in the notes. Yeah, so we were like, okay, GIF, GIF. This is a nice pairing. Unfortunately, we just cannot have two Tim Burton movies in one episode. Like, I mean, normally we, we like. There are times where we will do like director double, like director double features. Like we did Ryan Coogler. We did a Ryan Coogler double feature. But Tim Burton, this especially lately, has been such a weird figure. Um. Lately, yes. and also with because they're both Johnny, De- uh, sorry, Jack Debt and Tim Burton <laughs> joints. <laughs> but but to make things okay, I think I think to make things a little bit more complicated, admittedly, mm. because the last time we talked about Tim Burton was when we did Planet of the Apes. I'm pretty sure that's the last time we talked about him. Uh, and that, that movie, it's a bad movie, first of all, but it's also a movie that is even more soured given some of the creative choices that were made mm-hmm. and, you know, given contextually how much worse some of those creative choices feel. You know, if you've listened to any episode at, at all, um, then you probably already know that I, I grew up as a person that was massive fan of Tim Burton and a lot of his movies. And admittedly, there are still movies of his that I enjoy. Um, he was, he was very much a gateway director for me, as I call it, or as I, I did not coin this term. I, I'm sure I got it from somewhere. You frequent, you frequently use this term though. I can attest yes. to that. So, um, he, he's a director that, that influenced my taste in things. Um, and, my interest in things, especially uh, during my teen years, um, as he did for many people, because that was during the like um, hot topic Disney. Let's commercialize the shit out of Nightmare Before Christmas era, mm-hmm. as well as the era of the continuous string of Burton debt, Burton debt, Burton debt. <laughs> um, and I mean, while I do want to celebrate some things the guy has done, at the same time. Um, there's just some things of his that have not aged very well, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, within context, some things of his that hasn't aged at all, period. And, of course, a vast majority of his movies stars De- Mr. Debt in question. Mm-hmm. And these days, Joey and I, as we've said, especially when we were talking about Pirates of the Caribbean um, in our two-year anniversary episode, we just don't feel comfortable showcasing him as a as an actor. You know, and so it, it became very difficult with the added on factor of uh, Jeffrey Jones being in the movie. Bill Murray. And Bill Murray. Um, and again, we just don't feel like these people deserve uh, a pedestal or any sort of positive attribute on the show. So. It just became, specifically with Ed Wood, incredibly difficult to even consider wanting to talk about it. And I think after the last Burton movie, it just, I think it soured a little, I think it soured any potential for future Burton movies for a while. And I had, I had actually planned a Burton return at one point, but then 
given uh, the fact that Johnny Depp is in that movie, Mr. Debt, Jack Debt. Um, uh, and it, and that episode would have come out right after uh, the trial situation. We push that episode into a possible future at some point, maybe situation. Mm-hmm. But as of but as of now, uh, I, we've sort of avoided uh, that director and that and that actor pairing or no pairing. And uh, GIF suggested this episode. He suggested Edward Scissorhands to me a few times, actually. He, yeah, that's one it seems like he's really wanted on the show. Yeah. Yeah. We were like, okay, we can keep one of those movies. Probably Edward Scissorhands. But what else would you pair it with? Like, do you have maybe a plan B? And I'm sure GIF was probably thinking, I don't understand what's wrong. What What's the situation? So we had to kind of probably explain it to him, maybe. But... Um, just like, Hey, we just don't know if we want to talk about Ed Wood specifically, but if you have another pairing, uh, and I just want to say thank gift. Thank you for being so understanding, you know? Yes, honestly, because like it, it just, just like having, like being forced to change the double feature pairing, like, you know, thank you. Thank you, dude. So we asked Giff, uh, what, what's another movie you'd want to pair with Edward Scissorhands? And uh, Giff came up with a uh, plan B. He came up with a solution. He played he played ball with us, and again, we appreciate that wholeheartedly. Um, so, Joey, what was that first that new first movie that Gifford suggested? Well, I will say, Richard, this uh, I'd say the characters in this movie certainly needed a plan B. Uh, you know uh, that film. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, thank you, thank you. I pick, I, I pick up what you're putting down. Um, you know, uh, this movie is David Lynch's first feature. This film is Eraserhead. Richard's doing like a, a, a Jack Nance uh, stare. Yeah, I want to be a dad. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. As long as you have like some ominous music playing, maybe it'll, <laughs> maybe it'll make sense. All right. That section of audio, I'm so sorry, Joey. <laughs> These earbuds keep falling out. It's okay. Alright, so Eraserhead. Um, this is a movie I had heard about for many years. And I actually o- owned it for many years. And I was going to watch it once a number of years ago. It just didn't happen. And it's been a movie I wanted to visit. I'm familiar with some of the imagery from the movie. And David Lynch was always a director I was curious about. And this is where it leads into my stuff, other stuff I've been doing. Um, so Gifford suggested Eraserhead. And I'm like, you know, gee willikers, David, this David Lynch guy. Uh, he's also He also did Twin Peaks, <laughs> which is a show I've wanted to watch um, for quite some time. And I thought, you know what? Mm-hmm. Let me watch some Twin Peaks and a couple, some other um, uh, David Lynch things, you know, just to sort of get more of a grasp. Because the only other David Lynch thing I had ever seen was Dune, which, you know, is Dune. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting movie, but, um, you know, probably a weird situation overall. But anyway. So I watch. I've watched the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. I've watched Fire Walk with me, and I am partially some. I'm partway through the Return, and I'm loving it. 
it is um, an incredible show, incredible acting. Um, I love the characters and some of the most horrific things I think I've ever seen in any like piece of media. Like some of it, I think this is like mm-hmm. it makes sense, especially when I watch parts of like the Return, where I'm like, it makes sense that this guy would make a razor head because it like you were describing it perfectly when we were off um off mic it's a nightmare like the the feeling that you had coming out of this was like you woke up from a bad dream and i think that's a perfect way to it's describe. not it's it's not the best feeling to have no admittedly no it's not but i think i think he captured that really well which is it's such a conflicting thing to think about cuz it's like on one hand like you did a really good job at capturing the anxiety that you feel when you get a nightmare. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I hate that feeling. <laughs> yes. It's it's so weird. Um, it's like it's one of those movies that if someone, one if one person told me they loved it and another person told me they hated it, I would say yes. Yeah. This is true. <laughs> I get it. Um, like as far as like as, like because I've heard about this movie for a long time too, and I think when it came to David Lynch, like David Lynch uh, was always a name that I associated with like hardcore, like film school nerds, you know, like, you know, the people that love like David Fincher and Wes Anderson, you know, he was amongst those names that you would hear constantly. Like everybody wants to do what David Lynch did, wants to do what David Fincher did, wants to do what Martin Scorsese did. They want to make the next taxi driver for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Um, but I feel like as far as as far as my experience is concerned in regards to like I guess film bro directors, if you will. <laughs> um and not to say the directors are film bros, but the people that like those directors. Um, this is definitely one of the ones I, I have more of a of a satisfaction from, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like cause I the one movie of his I'd seen before this was Elephant Man, and that movie made me cry endlessly yeah yeah beautiful movie uh john hurt absolutely tremendous in that film um anthony hopkins absolutely tremendous as well um and it is a pretty surreal movie as well like it's it's, it's sort of funny because like i feel like eraser head for many people has defined David Lynch, but like when you actually watch his stuff, like yeah, that's in there, but I don't, I almost don't think that's entirely his whole thing. You know what I mean? No, uh, yeah, like there, there are definitely things like as far as like the was it at this point three move? I mean, because I've seen Dune, uh, Fire Walk with Me, and Eraserhead, basically as far as Lynch films. And there's always gonna there's are weird images that you can't always describe, and you really sort of have to think about them. You know, you almost kind of bring in yeah. your own, your own baggage kind of thing. But there are also like defi- like definitive like structure. Like this movie definitely has like a structure and like a plot like a plot to it because the main gist of it, um, you know, we have our main character Henry, and you know we you know we find out. His, his, as the HBO Max description puts it, his ex-girlfriend had a baby. <laughs> his angry ex-girlfriend. Yes, thank you. <laughs> just just to combine HBO Max and, uh, was it Criterion? It might have been Criterion, or one or, of, or Letterboxd, maybe? Letterboxd, yes, I think you're right. I think it was Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so angry ex-girlfriend um, yeah he he and uh, the angry ex-girlfriend had a kid and um the kid you listen i think in regards to the movie this kid is more famous than the movie because i think i've heard about the baby from Eraserhead more than i've heard about anything else in regards to Eraserhead. that was the other image because obviously there's on the like the the poster or the cover is jack nance with, with that with that like stare and his hair like all up and the, the kramer hair the kramer hair um which also just like band members like people i feel like i've seen that hairstyle so many places too um but also mm-hmm. the baby which uh, the best way we described it was like like a weird dinosaur looking thing and david lynch i don't think has ever really revealed how they exactly achieved that like, there are people who have their like theories which i'm you know i we love behind the scenes stuff and like bonus features but like just the fact that i don't fully know like what that is makes this more terrifying exactly like like i i think we were watching it like i think i said to joey remember aladar from dinosaur yes <laughs> like like imagine if aladar um went outside of the walls of disney purity and had sex with a human mm. <laughs> <laughs> And that human is um, uh, Henry. <laughs> is Henry, who is is certainly a like you know he's a character when we fir- when we first meet him like you know he's certainly he, he walks he's he it's just his his stance is interesting because he like he he's hunched over he's all he's always anxious yes about everything which is. An incredibly appropriate thing if you're trying to make a nightmare, essentially, because no one is ever calm in a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And if he's the one having the nightmare, if he's the channel for David for David Lynch, if David Lynch is having these issues in his real life at the time about fatherhood and parentage, like that's exactly how he probably would be in said dream, or just just like commitment in general as yeah. well, like. You know, it's like a, it's a, it's, it, it can be a scary thing, like to rate, to raise a child. Like my mom has described it. It can be the most beautiful thing, but it can also just be extremely like nerve wracking because you don't know what you're doing. If, what, if it's right or not, like, like there's the scene where like he cuts open what you think is like the baby's like cloth, like their blanket. And it, it, it's like their skin and it like opens up. <laughs> It looks like we got organs. And there's organs. It's so. It, there's a lot of. Ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of things that really um, stick. With, I think you were talking about the wet pennies in this movie. Like, <laughs> I, I I thought at one point that because there's a weird point that um, it, it's revealed that Henry has a, a little like a bowl of water in his underwear drawer, and there's pennies or coins. In, and I'm like, why does he have wet pennies? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if that's like a thing or if that just wanted, it's just an added detail of surrealism, but wet pennies. <laughs> and I was like, maybe this is going to be the weirdest thing that we see in this movie. Like, we're just, <laughs> just Henry with wet pennies. But then the movie progressed. Oh, you know what? Well, and you know what was it a, got, it got so weird. I mean, there's so many like things in this, um, when he has to ha- when he has dinner with um his girl his angry ex girlfriend's family, oh, but her parents are characters. Let me tell you on that note, like, <laughs> the, the, like 
every everybody is a weirdo. The mom, like, oh my gosh, I was so scared of that woman. <laughs> she's always horny. She's all like when she when she goes up to Henry, she's like, "Did you have sexual intercourse with my with my daughter?" And she keeps asking, but then she like gets closer and closer and closer and closer, and then like as he's like backed into the wall, she starts sniffing him like like a just, like a just gross pervert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the dad's just oblivious to everything because he's always just like smiling. He's like eh. <laughs> smiling at the chicken. Dude, the, the chickens was that, the thing. Dude. Which, that again, like, I think that adds to the imagery of the whole thing, too. Because, again, it's like, it's a chicken looking like it's giving birth mm-hmm. with the legs. It's like a little, it's a little like a um, bird. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, also, too, I was looking at this, like, they spent a long time on the sound design for, the, like, the overall production of this movie took a very long time. Um, and mm-hmm. it was like a, it was like a huge effort. Like the whole, like it felt like the whole, like a bunch of people in the production were, t- were take contributing their money towards this movie. Like, I'm pretty sure everybody was a producer. On this. <laughs> everybody, like one of the people was a uh, Catherine Coulson, who was, I think at one point married to the lead Jack Nance. She also like, she contributed some of her income and she was also the log lady, uh, in Twin Peaks. <laughs> She just believed in it that much. Just believed it in. She she wanted it to be made. Sissy Spacek. Sissy Spacek. But Carrie. also, the American Film Institute, I think, greenlit this initially, but they did not know what they were getting themselves into. And he, I'm sure neither did the team, because it was like, it turned out to be a big, like, project. Because when you look at this thing, there's so much going on. <laughs> like, again, like... It's like, why, the, why is there a pool in the bed? You'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the lead, the radiator lady is 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 quite strange. Or it's like it's everything's fine in heaven, and that's a very it's it can have a very ominous like. <laughs> like I saw, I was watching because I think Joey and I needed to watch something uh, after watching this movie, um, just to see if like what other people were saying. But like I think I watched a video on YouTube talking about like how this movie sort of represents a nightmare but also like the the anxieties of fatherhood and yeah like you can almost clock the plot being like uh henry has a deformed child which i think was also something that david lynch was afraid of because i think his daughter had clubbed feet Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly i if i'm wrong obviously correct me but um because that's also a big fear of being a parent too is you know, if you have a child with an illness or a deformity, how to approach that. I mean, obviously, you want to do your best by your kid, and you should always do best by your kid. Um, but just you can't, admittedly, you can't help but be afraid of what if your kid comes out like this? What if your kid comes out like that? Um, I mean, which is why there's irrational fears of medicine and all types of different things, because they think it causes autism. Vaccines, obviously. Right. Because of that general fear of like oh my gosh my kid could have an issue and you know it could freak a parent out i mean it's it's hard enough just to take care of a kid period let alone having to take care of a kid who needs extra help especially right um and so like you can kind of track how henry henry's a terrible father i i, I think <laughs> Um, he tries his best, but he does, I, 
I at least I, I kind of agree with what this video said that uh, he's given the option to give up because you know heaven is you know in heaven everything's fine, and at the end of the movie, he's in a big bright light with the radiator lady. So I I kind of I think that makes sense to me as well that like he does kind of give up at the end of it mm-hmm. because he just can't he can't seem to work well with this kid that he's especially after his after uh, the angry ex girlfriend abandons him yeah and uh, the the neighbor initially is like you know coming on to him but then like after maybe a one night stand mm-hmm. uh just goes for another dude and then he's just like alone again. It's but but I think that's one of the beauties of the movie is that while there is some clear I feel like there's some clear concrete things you can take from it, but there's also a lot of heavy surrealism to it where you can watch it and interpret it however you want. Like uh, in the video I was watching, they were interpreting uh, the whole the whole the title scene, if you will, mm-hmm. where this is this was a I guess this was a dream that David Lynch had and he wanted to put it in the movie where. Uh, you know, they took like part of his brain out or whatever and turned it into erasers for pencils. You can maybe interpret that as he wants to erase a part of his memory. Mm -hmm. Like he wants to remove that part of his life, especially, you know, he, he's a surprise father because, you know, he, he, he played the game, but he didn't wear the equipment. And so now he has to, you know, have play, uh, deal with the kid. Um, so it's like you can almost interpret it as an entire movie about anxiety and fear and making the wrong choices. Even it's, it's there's a lot to unpack, but I kind of I kind of liked the interpretation that this that the video guy was doing. So I was like, okay, I can kind of see what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely got something there, you know. It's um, but it's also one of those movies that can like the meaning for it can change for you over time. I was watching Red Letter Media talked about it on one of their review episodes. They talked about how when they first watched like the dinner scene, like as like a teenager or like in college or whatever, they were laughing hysterically. They thought it was like the funniest thing. But when you get older, you watch that and you're like, this is the most horrific thing. <laughs> this is like the most horrific thing, uh, you know. Right, it's, I I can only imagine what we would have felt had having watched that scene when we were like in our twenties, like early twenties, you know, like. Oh yeah, I think I would. I think I would have laughed. Yeah, I I I honestly like. There's definitely some things that I I think I involuntarily laughed at because I was like, oh, yeah, you know, but yeah, like watching something like that now, I think I was definitely like, oh, yeah, what is that? Yes, uh, there's so so many like. There's just so much. Like, it's one of those movies that, like, it's not for everybody, but it's one of those things where you have to see it to really, to really believe it. Believe it. Um, I think, but also, I just, it does look beautiful, though. Like, black and, like, the black and white cinematography in this is gorgeous. Um, I especially Mm -hmm. love, like, when they have, like, particles in the air and you can, like, kind of see, like, you know, like, you, you might be like the eraser shavings or, you know, just Stardust, mm-hmm. where you're thinking about like, oh, like you're almost connecting that idea of like Stardust, we come from Stardust kind of thing. Um, there's a lot. Like, I, I, I was looking at it too. Like, <laughs> like um, Lynch was saying, like, I was talking about Kafka being a huge influence on him, and I can totally see that. Yeah. One of the images that stuck out to me in this movie 
And this is an image that I, I chuckled at initially because, like, at one point he gets his head cut cut off, um, and then like the baby's head pops up, and I'm just like, it's an amazing metaphor. Where, like, you're just your parents, you know. Like, the fear is like you just become your parents, and your children replace replace you. Kind of, th- it, it's such a like a, I was that that that's what I was left with in that, and um, but it's also just a funny image seeing like this business suit, this like suit and everything is just this dinosaur head popping out of the neck <laughs> of the neck hole <laughs> it's there's there's literally like there's so many images in this movie that'll never leave my head ever no period yep. like it's everything is so striking from from the sound design to like the ominous like like the whole that's like played throughout the whole movie um the the way everything looks like everything looks like it's dead mm-hmm. you know like and again like i think everything even the black and white like obviously it's you know probably all they could afford but like it's just everything about this movie lends itself beautifully to anxieties mm-hmm. because i think this movie is designed to stress you out certainly uh i think we both certainly feel that way um about this but i was just thinking about like Again, like it feels like there's like plants and like mold growing, so it's kind of like one of those things where like mm-hmm. we ha- we are we are so, there's so much of like the city life that exists, but like nature eventually kind of like kind of like you know rears its head, sort of rears its head and sort of comes back. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. there's this, and again, like as somebody who's watched like a couple like Lynch things, there's definitely a lot of like connections uh, to his. And you also pointed this out too, actually, the floor. That's in in the in the beginning of Eraserhead. Like, um, it looks like the 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 floor that you see in the red room on uh, Twin Peaks. Mm, the like zigzag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, obviously there's like, emph- em- yeah. emphasis on like dreams and just horror. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know the the strange thing was like, I think this movie has led it itself a bit to well maybe not that like i think this movie whenever i think of this movie uh-huh. i think of at least before i watch it i would always associate it with all the parodies the parodies of the trope of like early film student films because like they're black and white they're surreal and they have all this imagery that doesn't that they are that you think amounts to something but doesn't really and then it's like super pretentious and off-putting and so I think that was always sort of a, a deterring factor for me to want to check it out because I was like, oh, God, is this what Eraserhead's going to be when I watch it? Like, mm-hmm. everyone's like, oh, it's this really weird, like, disturbing movie. But, like, am I going to watch it and think, oh, Lynch is just being super pretentious? Or is there actually something on 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 play here? And I was very thankful that I, I did not think any of that. And I'm like, to anyone that's actually tried to mimic this, like... I think you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Admittedly. Like, cause I don't think Lynch made this movie uh, to like impress anybody. He was just like, he probably had some things he was, that, that were going on in his head. And he, and he, he's a, he was a painter before he was a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And then he tried filmmaking. And so, I mean, like when you're a painter and, and I think that's a connection between the two directors we're talking about, because I mean, while Tim Burton's not, really necessarily a painter he definitely 
worked in cartooning and he was an artist and he worked at Disney. Yeah. And a lot of his work just wasn't meshing at Disney. And so then he went off on his own and did his own thing, became successful. And so he applied what he likes and what he's used to doing to his own work. And I think that's a big connecting piece between these two guys and with David Lynch, you know, he was, he was trying, at least from what I can understand, he was trying to, um, take something that he's familiar with and apply it to this new medium until like, you know, so he made all those short films and then he makes this movie and it's like, I've been in love with this medium now. Mm -hmm. And, that's I think that's always the best thing too when you can tell that even though you're watching something like this where it is very uncomfortable like if I'm being honest I'm probably never going to watch this again. Yeah. <laughs> but it is you can tell it is made by someone that loves the medium that knows what they're doing that wants to make something memorable and personal to them but also something that other people can watch and have a million different interpretations. I mean, we're admittedly we're kind of all over the map a little bit. But at the same time, like that's kind of the what this that's kind of what you want from a movie like this is the interpretations of many people. And we don't always talk about those kinds of movies on our show. Usually, like they're pretty. No, usually the kinds of movies we talk about like there there is there are some like clear cut things in this movie, but like usually we talk about like more standard, um, traditional three act structure kind of things, you know. Uh, we, where, we talk about a lot of blockbusters. I think the, the closest, <laughs> too. And we're, oddly enough, I think the closest thing that we've talked about to this was 2001, because that's a movie with mm-hmm. very, like this movie has barely any dialogue. That movie barely has any dialogue. And the story is conveyed basically through the audio visual um, component without dialogue for most mm-hmm. of it. Um, so, you know, again, thanks Gifford for bringing this one in. I think I think we even joked at one point that Henry is actually the space baby from 2001 Space Odyssey. <laughs> like somehow Lynch was like, you know what? I'm gonna make a sequel to that movie, but it's not gonna be what you expect. It's the grown up, uh, grown up space baby. <laughs> so there's that's that's our interpretation that this movie is actually a sequel to 2001 Space Odyssey, where the space baby grew up to be Henry. Because what's the first thing we see in this movie? He's in space. There's a big rock. Just saying. Just saying. Um, <laughs> is that all we want to say about uh, a razor head at this point? <laughs> I, I guess. I, but I, I think so. It's, it's. I'll say this much. It's a movie you need to watch to, to experience. Good or bad, you need to watch it, I think. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to be alone <laughs> You're, well, you, I watched it with you. We were in the nightmare together. Oh my god, you were there? Yes, I was there, Richard. Oh, then it couldn't have been a nightmare. Oh boy, that's even scarier. <laughs> oh no! Anyway, we already kind of like spilled the beans of what part two is, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about um, a movie that my friends sometimes call Johnny Fingerhands. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Two Dudes One Double Feature. In our last segment, we uh, were having a really bad nightmare, but unfortunately, um, we have woken up in a really creepy pastel-colored suburban neighborhood. <laughs> Another nightmare. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and yes, my hair is aflame. <laughs> I think that ball just blew up. And yes, my hair is aflame. <laughs> um, as, as we stated earlier, we kind of let the cat out of the bag on this one. Uh, it's Edward Scissorhands for this part. Yes. Um, um, the 1990 uh, film, Edward Scissorhands. Um, mm-hmm. Now, uh, this movie, if I'm being completely honest, I think I was really terrified of, of revisiting <laughs> guys you you really don't understand the amount of anxiety now R- richard richard has anxiety about a number of things sadly i hope i'm not speaking out of line no here. no you're but, you're very you're but, very but, right but, but but with very good reason i have Thank never you. seen him this anxious about a single film in my whole life <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the, the previous hundred and some odd episodes that we've talked about, he has never felt this uncomfortable. It is <laughs> astonishing. Yeah, and this but is I get this it. This isn't on gift though. I want to point that out. It's not gift's fault. No, no. Absolutely not. Yeah. This is all me, truthfully. Um because here's okay. Mm-hmm. I kind of already talked about it, but just just want to reiterate this. So you know, the last couple of years have been you know obviously for many people a a matter of self-reflection looking back on your life seeing things that um things that you did wrong things that you did right um choices that you made things that you were into um and as i said before growing up i was a big tim burton fan and i still have a plethora of burton knowledge in my head it's still there i believe it (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and you know, like many people, especially when I was a teenager, I really got into it because, you know, he was making a string of movies and they were commercializing the hell out of it. And, you know, like everybody was all goo goo gaga for Tim Burton, even to the point where like it, it affected so many things. Joey to this day still talks about while I'm sure it would be cool to see how much he does not like the idea of Nightmare Before Christmas taking over Haunted Mansion at Disney because, you know. It's you're going to Haunted Mansion for Halloween. The last thing you want to see is Christmas decorations, you know? Yeah. So, and I completely understand and agree with that statement. Um, and over the years, you know, I've really kind of reevaluated how I feel about Tim Burton as a director, thinking about, you know, stuff that he said and, you know, some videos that I'd watched and just really thinking, do I still like him as a filmmaker? There's still movies of his that I watch endlessly like i still watch batman 89 batman returns uh i still watch a lot of his early movies that i still really love and there's and he'll always be peewee peewee peewee's big adventure a a hilarious movie um there's so many of his movies even some of his newer ones that i love dearly and admittedly i'm very excited to watch wednesday when it comes on netflix so i i can't deny that um but we also understand, folks, too. If you if you don't feel comfortable watching Wednesday, we just want to make that clear as that's well. That's understandable. No, ju- you know, because it's understandable for sure. Because 
I don't know. It's just, it's just such, it's one of those things at the same time. Like there's some of his movies that I hadn't watched in a very long time. And I almost feel like I was making a deliberate choice not to watch those movies because I wanted to keep a positive feeling. You know, Edward Scissorhands yeah. is very much one of those movies. You know, it's, 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 it's important in this, in this context because it's, I think the first original movie Tim Burton original feature that Tim Burton ever directed because because Beetlejuice was original but it wasn't his right Pee-wee's Big Adventure he was hired on as director but while he he did get to have a lot of his own influence on the film it wasn't his Batman wasn't his Mm -hmm. uh, Edward Scissorhands really felt like the first movie that was his you know he had this idea about like a Beauty and the Beast meets Frankenstein story about uh, an, an inventor making a a guy who has scissors for hands, and the inventor was going to give him hands, but he never completed it. And this is a movie that I think resonates with a lot of teenagers, especially, which I think makes a lot of sense, especially when you watch it. And so, given given all these feelings that I'm having of recent, of just not having a little bit more angst towards Tim Burton not being as into him as I used to be and just wondering am I gonna like this movie coming out of it and so the closer we got to watching this the more scared I got because I was I was like is this movie that was so important to me as I was when I was younger am I gonna feel the same and not that it it's a huge thing admittedly because like you know we all watch movies later on in our lives we've done this on the show Movies that we watched later on that we watched when we were kids that we were like, oh, this is great. And we watch it now and we're like, what the hell were we thinking? But I think it's 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 mm-hmm. easier yep. to say like like for me to watch like the pest and be like, this movie is dog shit because I didn't have an emotional connection to it. Whereas Edward Scissorhands, I did. Because because I had never I had never seen this movie in its entirety. And watching this movie, I'm like, I could see why a young Richard Purnell would be into this and like it just the lights it, oh my okay yeah. yep it's probably like when, when you when you went on the jungle cruise w- with me for the first time and you're like okay uh, that i i was i was riding a ride in joey's head yeah basically like like if you want like the aesthetic of, e- of like that's that that's it edward's <laughs> hands is dude one and then dude two is a jungle cruise skipper <laughs> And yet, one of the one of those things but, um, is, is definitely both of those things can be good. I'm just saying, it can be good. It can be good. Um, no, but but it, it, I was I, unless there's something else you wanted to say, I just wanted to interject. But no, no, no. You um, so, like for me, I was surprised at how positive I came out of this movie. I have a lot of reservations about it, though. I, I was, I feel like, and also like I thought this was a very much a deep insight into you. I felt it was a deep insight into Tim Burton as a, as an mm. artist, you know, looking at, um, looking at that aesthetic. I'm like, wow, this is, might be one of the more coherent Tim Burton movies that I've personally have mm. seen. I was shocked. <laughs> like it was, it was very clear, you know, as far like character, like the characters I thought were great characters, um, in the, in this story. I thought, like, visually, it was some. I, I think about the inventor's like cat, mm-hmm. like house. It's like a, like it looks like a cathedral, and I think the topiaries. I'm like, it's such a, it, it's such like striking, beautiful, you know, beautiful stuff that they got going on there. And then looking at like the pastel colored suburbia that they got um, just beneath <laughs> that, you know, 
Um, but I, I think one of the things I was taken aback by was because I was more familiar with like the scenes with the inventor played by Vincent, like, mm-hmm. Vincent Price, and this was like his last major performance. Um, and I was more familiar with that. So I and a lot of the there's a lot of posters that are just like Edward Scissorhands in a white background. And he, he's obviously dressed all in black, and he's very pale, as there's a lot of these. Yeah. It's a Tim Burton movie. Hello. <laughs> um, and I, I thought that's what the movie's going to be, but I was amazed at how colorful um, the movie was, like with the pastels um, and just that whole the whole suburban um, yeah. landscape. Like, it really does feel, especially, like, in regards to, like, early days, because, like, Tim Burton's only done... As far as his own stories, I think he's only done like three original films, four original films. Because there's this, um, I know, uh, I think Corpse Bride is technically an original story, at least on his part, but I know there's some heavy inspiration elsewhere. And uh, Frankenweenie, which is a, a remake of a short film that he did with Disney. I feel like for, for as often as he's worked with Disney recently, that was his one like stipulation, like, okay let me do a project I've wanted to do with you guys that I can't do without you guys. And I'll do all this other shit you want me to do. <laughs> They're like, fine. Um, but like, yeah, I watched this movie uh, with you again. And I was pretty happy to, 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 to note that while I do feel differently, I still had a good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, it's it's very funny, first of all, which I think is a common trait of Tim Burton. I think Tim Burton's good with humor, um, especially like really quirky, weird humor. And I think he even has good setups and payoffs throughout. Like there's a point when uh, uh, Edward tries alcohol for the first time, but uh, Alan Arkin, who's the father in the film, uh, says it's lemonade. And so when he's offered lemonade later, he throws up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like it makes sense. Um there's a lot of fun visual gags too, like the topiary are both beautiful and also kind of funny. Everything gets like a trim, so like uh, all the the all the mom hairs hairdos in the, in the neighborhood are all funny and crazy. The dogs all have fun haircuts. Like the influence is there once Edward's there. Um, so there's still a lot of things that I appreciate, but at the same time, I think as time has gone on, there are things that I felt differently about, and. I think it, it could be because obviously he's trying to adapt two separate stories that maybe don't adapt so well at certain points because like there's that, like I was saying, there's that beauty and the beast aesthetic, especially with, um, uh, Kim and, uh, Jim, I think, isn't that his name? Jim, Kim and Jim, <laughs> whatever. A- Anthony Michael Hall, <laughs> Tommy Doyle from, uh, mm. Halloween kills. Yeah. <laughs> um, or Brian. This is his name, Brian from Breakfast Club. Oh my God! No wonder he's a villain. <laughs> uh, inside joke. Um, unless you've listened to our show. Um, but so there's a bit of that aesthetic. Um, uh, but there's also the the Frankenstein aspect of it, you know, and the house sort of becomes like the the windmill that catches on fire, sort of thing. Uh. So there's there's some interesting character choices, but I want to talk about the plot a little bit because there is a plot to this movie that's kind of interesting. So the whole movie centers around this mm-hmm. this pastel sort of like kind of like upsetting 
neighborhood. Like I like that's kind of the like it's beautiful, but it's also like nauseating. You know, like like mm-hmm. like you look at it, especially if you live in suburbia. I think you want you could watch this movie and think, oh god, <laughs> there's definitely a yeah. serial killer here. <laughs> um. And like the whole neighborhood is like really close, like uh, like all the moms gossip with each other. It's very like kind of fifties mentality, like all the moms are at home and gossiping, all the husbands are out at work. I think even like the the way they're dressed is very fifties. Like obviously the movies made in the nineties, but everything feels like a fifties aesthetic. It's Tim Burton's "Don't Worry, Darling." Yes, <laughs> which I haven't seen, but Joey has, and I'm trusting him on this. Um, though, if Florence Pugh was Edward Scissorhands, really. ten out of ten. That... <laughs> I'm telling you right now. See, I, I, I am kidding because I don't want people to think think that of me. <laughs> I, I, you know. Um, but honestly, oddly enough, like there are two movies that I think look great, a lot of great performances, but I think are like go wildly off the rails in the third act. So there is there is some commonality there. Well, we should have done Don't Worry Scissor Hands as a double feature. Uh, well, no, we had to do this for GIF. This is for GIF. No, this Beauti- is a beautiful I, I young man. Alternate that he reality. Is. Alternate reality GIFs. Yes. GIF was like, you know that Don't Worry, Darling? <laughs> Harry Styles is going to get an Oscar. You should talk about that movie. <laughs> no, but, no, but see, in, the, in this alternate reality, Harry Styles also played Edward Scissor Hands. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> though timothy chalamet in that commercial wasn't bad (laughs) he did a good job um but yeah so this neighborhood's just like a pastel nightmare uh and yet the the one interesting aspect about it is that at the very end of the street is this giant hill this like crazy you know mountain if you will and at the very top of it is uh like a castle Almost like a decrepit manor that's falling apart. Yeah, yeah. And um, our our one of our main characters, Joyce, uh, played by Diane Weiss. Um, she's an Avon lady, and if you don't know what that is, then you're you're probably really young, or you're about our age. <laughs> but essentially, an Avon lady is is like I don't know if you've have you ever heard of Mary Kay at all, Joey? Yes. Like, yep. mm-hmm. my mom and my sister would go to, like, parties that her friends would do because they're, like, representatives of Mary Kay, and they would sell Mary Kay to, like, all their friends. That's kind of what an... A- no, yeah, my mom... My, yeah. Yeah, my mom has done stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. that's So that's kind of what an Avon lady is, but in the sense that, like, imagine a milkman, but with makeup is kind mm-hmm. of what an Avon lady is. So Joyce is selling... uh makeup door to door and she sees the castle on the hill and decides you know what all these other people are saying no what do i gotta lose she pulls a b and e which you know is common in movies when you go to strange locations your immediate reaction is i'm gonna go inside um oh yeah because otherwise there's no movie <laughs> this, why would there be a movie if you didn't be any you know exactly, exactly. uh but <laughs> don't be any kids but unless you're in a movie and you see a creepy castle go for it but if you're not in a movie... It's like smoking. It's, it's like smoking and guns. They're only cool in movies. <laughs> They're only cool in movies. Anyway. Yeah, nowhere else. Um, so she goes in the house, and that's where she meets Edward. Now, Edward comes off as very mm-hmm. afraid when we first meet him. Very much like yes. uh, uh, the character Henry from the first film. He's very 
like his neck is hugged, like hugged into his body. He's walking very stiff. Um, and of course, Joyce is terrified because especially the first thing she sees is a guy with knives in his hands. Um, that looks terrifying. So the first thing she's going to do is walk away. But then when he comes out of the shadows, he's like, don't go. And he, you see this meek, scared little boy of a person, you know, with uh, scissors for hands. And he's trapped like that. And Joyce is initially, like, scared. But then she's like, oh, my God. You've been up here by yourself this whole time. Your face has, cu- like, cuts all over it. And, it's, and she decides... It's, it's almost like when someone finds a lost puppy, which is a, a proper analogy given that uh, Caroline Thompson, who wrote the script for this, was sort of basing Edward on her own dog. So it's like a rescue dog. Mm-hmm. Which makes a whole hell of a lot of sense the more you think about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, Joyce decides to take Edward down to the neighborhood. And of course, all the moms are like, who's that? Who's that? Who's who's this guy? But it's not in like a like a what the fuck is that? They're, they're more like what? It's like it's like people at the circus. You know, it's like it's like yeah. whoa, what is that? What is what am I seeing here? And then there's uh Mrs. Monroe who is a freak. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and a massive pervert and always trying to cheat on her husband. Um <laughs> and so everyone's like freaking out and Joyce is just like trying to help Edward and um, specifically she wants to try and see if she can use any of her makeup to clean any of the scars or, you know, just make any of the scars on his face disappear. And that's kind of the the main point of the That's kind of the main thing in the movie is that Edward's just experiencing suburbia. You know, this 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 sort of fish out of water situation. Yeah. Where, you know, he's taken out of what he's used to into this big, wide, suburban, pastel nightmare of a world. And initially, everybody loves Edward. Everyone's like, oh my god, this guy's great. You know, he, you know, especially after they see all the amazing things that he can do having scissors for hands. Though obviously, you know, there is the handicap aspect of he can't hold anything or touch anything without slicing it or cutting it. Um, I mean, one of the first things he does when he when he goes into the house and Joyce gives him clothes, he snaps the suspenders and the pants fall off. And even just putting pants on yeah. sucks for him. <laughs> uh, there's a bit there's a one kind of funny gag where, like, he notices a waterbed and is kind of freaked out by it. He's like, what is this? And then he pokes it and water starts shooting out at him. And he's like, oh, God, oh, God. And then he has to put the little stuffed animal on the hole. And he's like, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> good god what is this um so so it's it's literally him just experiencing this whole world that he's that he's completely unfamiliar with and the moment he shows that he has skills with his hands like when he makes topiary uh bushes and sculptures in uh in the 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 boggs neighborhood uh, the boggs house that's Joyce. that's their last name is boggs um, everyone's like, oh my god, I want him to come to my house, I want him to make something, and then as it progresses, he, uh, learns to cut the hair of their dogs, and everyone wants their dogs to have his haircuts, and then everyone wants their haircut to look like something he made, so it be- he becomes, like, a trend for these people. It's not, it's, he's not really looked at as a person outside of the Boggs house, he's looked at as a tool. 
There's even there's even is it, he okay? You go ahead. He's something to be used, yeah. You know, and once his usefulness has expired, um, or they deem him, uh, you know, not useful anymore. No, no, no more, no more. There's a, there's even a whole scene where one of them drives him to uh to a, like a outlet mall, like a little shopping area, just to get his hands sharpened, <laughs> like. It's one thing to, like, not want him to, like, have to deal with, like, rust or anything, which is one little bit that's, you know, okay, but it's still, like, you know, oh, uh, like, but at the same time, it's, like, you want him to sharpen his hands? What's your purpose for that? Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, he's basically looked at as as a tool, um, but then things start to shift when uh, Kim Boggs, played by Winona Ryder, gets home from a, a trip that she took with her boyfriend and her friends. And the boy f- and Edward falls head over heels. Like he sees he sees Kim and he's like, "Wow, you know, mm-hmm. he's absolutely enamored." Um, and Jim just sees this guy as pathetic. You know, the boyfriend. He he just he th- he sees him as a joke. You know, there's there's literally a point where Edward gets on TV and like people are like, "Oh my God, you should open a beauty salon," or "Oh, you know, people would love to see your work," and he's like, "You know, thank you." I appreciate that. Um, but then he like he uh shocks his hand on uh, a cord or whatever on the microphone at, on TV and then Jim's just cracking up and Kim's like, Oh my gosh. So that's where sort of the beauty and the beast aspect comes in because now we're now we're seeing that Kim is starting to see Edward for more than just a guy who can do some amazing things with his hands. She sees him as a person. But Increasingly, more and more people are starting to see him as a threat, uh, especially after an incident where um, Jim and Kim and the friends ask him to uh, break into Jim's dad's house so that Jim can get money so that he can buy a car. But right, uh, they leave Edward there after the alarm goes off, and uh, basically he's SOL because they they leave him there and the cops find him there. And then rumors start to persist. And then to make matters worse, and this is kind of one of the weirder choices they made, narratively speaking, Edward gets sexually assaulted. Yeah, that's, that was, um, wow. Like, that happened in this movie. Like, did you expect something like that to happen? Um, absolutely. Especially a movie on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I know this movie was made before Disney+, Plus, but I'm just saying, like, it is, like, weird. It plays weird. <laughs> It feels weird because, like, Edward goes into that beauty salon being all, like, sexual and then gets all up in his face. And then it's sort of played silly, but it's also just really uncomfortable to watch, you know? Yeah. And then it just, from that point, everyone's just claiming that Edward basically, like, you know, pardon pardon the term, you know, if you, if you get triggered by this, I apologize, but basically rapes Joyce. Or not Joyce, but uh, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Monroe, and so she right. she yeah, she yeah, yeah. persists that rumor because Edward denied her, yeah. and so that just feels horrible. And then again, it just keeps getting yeah. worse and worse until it's like Edward has to to get away. He has to go back home, and the, this is where the whole third act comes in. Like the third act is weird, is very strange, because um, the rest of, of I was really enjoying this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters were great. I just think like what this movie really has to say about suburbia by, by the end of it 
is a little like strange. Also, there's a police presence in this movie. Like he gets arrested at some point, and that plays differently because you you think about um because there's like you know signs uh people have to have because if their kids are neurodivergent, they might not react to the police in the way one would expect. Yeah. Um or things like that and it's like do we really need to have this conversation in 2022 <laughs> like it, it's um but also just like the idea oh i'm 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 you know like it's like the, like the town doesn't like really change it, like that much at all afterwards um and it's i i respect it on some level though because it does it's like a fairy tale yeah and like fairy there's a lot of fairy tales where like the moral is either really just dated or just reprehensible like think about beauty and the beast like the main one of the main morals in beauty and the beast is like you might not like him now but eventually he'll seem like a prince and listen how many versions of beauty and the beast do we enjoy yes quite a few <laughs> quite a few of them we talked one of our earliest episodes we talked about the french the, the john cocktail one at shape of water <laughs> you know even though shape of water there's there's like uh you know, he he doesn't transform into like a hand. Like no. he doesn't. Tra- Doug Jones in a suit does transform into Doug Jones. No, yeah, right. Uh, there's a, but but like basically, you know, there's a lot of fairy tales like that, and I think this one's no different. Where like the messaging in it is a bit weird, um, with with what it has to say. Yeah, it it kind of makes you wonder, like, what was the point? You know what I mean? Which, like, which is so strange because I feel like other than that, it felt like a more coherent Tim Burton movie than I'm used to. Like, I yeah. felt like, like, like the characters made, made sense. I liked every, I liked everybody. Even the characters didn't like, they were like, okay, these are interesting characters. And then we get to this point and it feels kind of like a mess. And then it's like, he cuts up the kid. What? Okay. Um, and then it turns like the whole thing is also like a weird, like framing device. Cause you know, there's like that fairy tale that they tell, like, this is how we got snow basically, yeah. which, you know, I guess cool. It v- visually, it's neat, and you know who doesn't like a good like fairy tale ending? But it, it just yeah, like the third act, like that whole thing just plays off um, differently. Plus, also to like the one, uh, I think the one person of color in this movie is a cop, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Uh, there's one, there's a black guy uh, who's a cop, and that's just like okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The like I always think of it because like again, you know. But I always remind myself there was a point where he was going to have a superhero movie that featured a black villain that was played by normally a white guy and Robin was going to be played by a black guy. Yeah. And it's kind of wild to think about like, you know, Marlon Wayans still gets residual checks from Batman Returns and I think Batman because he was cast to be Robin. And right then they the only thing it didn't the only reason it didn't happen is because the idea just didn't flow with the movie um right and then you know again you know billy d williams you know he's obviously to this day like m- myself included you know fans say bring give us billy d two-face give us billy d we've been dying for this for years um and then he gets recast by tommy lee jones mm-hmm. and so like it's always weird to think about like that was that was a creative choice that it was made by this, by the same guy that decided, you know, I'm going to cast these specific actors to play gorillas in Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's 
It's sort of weird, yeah. It's complicated. Like, it's, you know, to say the least. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, I think it's, it's, it's a great vision into Tim Burton as an artist, while also, like, looking at not only the things that he's very good at, but also just his, his just, you know, things that people tend to criticize. It's all, it's all kind of, it almost feels like, in many respects, the definitive Tim Burton movie. I mean, I think it is, yeah. Honestly, even to this, even to this day, because I mean, it has, it has the Frankenstein aspect. It has the fairy tale aspect, beauty and the beast. And like I said, it really plays well for a teenage audience. I think, I think I look at this movie very much in the young adult sort of sense. Like, like this is the Frankenstein or this is, this is what Twilight is to vampires. You know what I mean? Yes. Like okay. this like Edward Scissorhands is the twilighted Frankenstein. That's a great way to great way to put it actually. Because there's a lot of great ideas, there's some messy ideas, but at the end of the day like you still enjoy it for being kind of this unique thing for what it is. Oh yeah. And, no, 110%. And like I can't help but like think of this movie like there was some definitely some good ideas but like you, if you're a teen you're watching this you feel like an outsider because of one thing or another. And you feel like, you know, maybe anything that you are good at, people just only care about that and not about you. And then, you know, you, you want to do good. You want to be good. But, you know, the world sometimes is too scary. So instead you decide to just shut yourself off. And that seems yeah. like at the time, especially when you're young adolescent, you think that's the right move. Like I'm going to just shut the world out. But, Mm-hmm. You know, in hindsight, is that really the best idea? Is that is that really it's the all, move you want to make? See, I also it also makes me think of Wizard of Oz. You know, because the ending of that, you know, it's like we all meet all these wonderful, colorful characters, and the message of the movie is stay home. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. stay home. Don't get don't get involved. I mean, but Wizard of Oz, the difference is Wizard of Oz is one of the greatest movies <laughs> ever made. <laughs> this is a good movie, but <laughs> <sighs> but. No, I was just happy that, for the most part, I still found myself enjoying it. I don't know if I have as much of a an emotional connection with it as I used to. But you know what? I, I think I said this earlier, but I do think that is sort of a natural progression. You know, like, there's a point where, you know, you look at something and you say, well, this resonated to me at a point when I was a kid. I'll always have, uh, you know, an, a nostalgic love, an emotional love for Edward Scissorhands, but I don't think it resonates with me the same way as it used to when I was younger. Like, yeah, like I think I, I get the message and I get what it's trying to say, but it also feels like it's telling the wrong story that, that it should be telling because mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a happy again, ending. No, it doesn't. No. And in some ways it's admirable, but also it's just like the way it's constructed, like, you know, okay, we're just going to reject, um, <laughs> we're going to reject him. And, you know, there's no like recourse for that. But, um, like I think with both of these films, it, it's, it's the director's sort of anxieties about different aspects of society. So for Tim Burton here, yeah. it's suburbia, suburbia where all the houses, other than a few slight changes look the same. You know, any sort of variation is looked at as a bad thing or something to be afraid of. Again, 
nobody like he has scissors for hands and that only is is you know they're only okay with it as long as it's useful to them and then in a racer head obviously it's just commitment and being a parent but also i i think just just society at large in that movie because you know it's just everything just looks like a nightmare you like you have the hunched over like qualities of the characters and like like they're weirdos but you can't blame them for being weirdos in many respects both of them end on sort of tragic notes yeah exactly you know edward edward stays in his castle uh, making ice sculptures and he's stuck there forever because he doesn't age he's mechanical um uh kim won't see him anymore because she's you know she's afraid that he won't see her the same way even though I think that's kind of nonsense, but at the same time, you know, that's just how she feels. And it's that fairy tale, like logic, (laughs) like, Oh, I can't, you know, exactly. Nineties, man. (laughs) But, um, and then with, and then with the racer head, like, you know, Henry eventually, at least in how I would see it, um, rejects fatherhood, rejects commitment. You know, he, he looks at it and says, this is too terrifying. There's too much. There's too much at stake. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm alone. I can't do this. And he bounces. Right. So, like, while while there's definitely some questions that can be had, I think to to a degree, like like there isn't some admirableness, like you were saying, like how you interpret it as as a film, whether within context or without, like just how like how you see it necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, so and admittedly, I was kind of afraid of watching these movies because, in a certain respect, because I was like, outside of uh, school, uh, 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 school uh, items used for appendages, uh, I didn't know what these movies would have in common. Right, I think th- I think there's a lot to be said about both of these movies and like the different approaches, um, the different approaches that they that they take. But I, I also think it's also another like each movie is sort of like a different side of like parent-child relationship. Like in the first movie, the father abandons abandons this abandons their child, abandons everything. And then this and um, we get we see the story through his lens. Whereas in this, the father just die. You know, the father in the inventor dies, and yeah. it, we get we get to see how Edward continues on. You know. How do you go forward from that, and how do you fit into uh, society at large? And even with a support system like the family that they have, like it, it, like he has, it it's not enough. Um, no, and it's it is again, it's a tragedy. It's a it's a tragic fairy tale, if you will. Um, it's, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, uh, but uh, it's it's just it is it is. It, again, it's nice that you know I was able to to watch this movie and still think, you know what? Yeah, I still like it. Yeah, yeah. I you know what? I I totally forgot. I have a comic book of Ever Scissor Hands because that's right. Uh, um, Kate Leth uh, wrote a comic book with I think Drew Rausch. I think uh, if I miss, I apologize for mispronouncing the name, but um, Kate Leth and Drew Rausch. Um, uh, did a comic book continuation of Ever Scissor Hands, and the art style sort of mimicked, or at least it felt like it was uh, like the 
Beetlejuice animated series. And that was actually a really good comic, honestly. Like, I remember picking that up and I was like, the artwork is great. It's really well written. And I think, too, it's also something to say that, you know, like a lot of these film, like these filmmakers, like people have taken what they've created and have continued it into something special. Like, you know, I think of that comic book and I think it's, this is a great way to continue that story or like, you know, when I think of like the Broadway Beetlejuice show and how they took the film and made it something completely different for the Broadway show. Um, so I don't know. It's just, I, I'm just, I'm just glad that I still liked it, but I'm also glad that uh gif, our good friend suggested this double feature. Um, this is definitely one of the wildest things, though. Before before we c- conclude anything, I, I do think you and I have a gripe with Gifford. What's our gripe with Gifford in regards to Edward Scissorhands? Okay, this was the wrong holiday to watch this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> like we're talking spooky Halloween movies, and yet Edward Scissorhands is a Christmas movie, folks. Gif. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Like, there's the snow is a framing device. The bogs are decorating their house. Alan Arkin is decorating his house and he's singing, On Christmas Day in the Morning. <laughs> Listen, I think Alan Arkin, like, top five actors, I would want to play me in a movie, honestly. <laughs> In any in any version of him, so it's like it's this mixed with like the Little Miss Sunshine Alan Arkin performance. See, see, I'm thinking about PV from um, uh, Rocketeer, <laughs> Rocketeer, and and um, Argo. What, what's the movie he did at Al Pacino? Like the old old, it's like an old guys like get together for one last job. Oh yeah, what is that? Oh, hold on, I need to look this up now. Sorry, folks, you're gonna have to indulge us. <laughs> I will say though, on the note, I did like the cast quite oh, a bit. And the, the, the in-laws again. Oh, yes, too, like, yeah. But yeah, I like the like uh, uh, Winona Ryder. Stand up, guys! Stand up, guys! <laughs> I saw it in theaters. <laughs> I liked it. We'll have to get stand up guys at some point. Yes, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a double feature of that. We, we should have done an Alan Arkin double features. A uh, little miss stand up guys. <laughs> <laughs> the stand-up sunshine. <laughs> stand-up sunshine. Sh- uh, 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 the stand-up in-laws. <laughs> oh my god! But no, I like the cast of this movie. What I was saying. <laughs> yes. Um. You know the the Boggs family's great. I I totally forgot that that kid that plays um Kevin was in uh. Was that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Mm, I think so. I, every time I see him, I, th- I think of the French class line he had in that movie. But uh, but yeah, so Gif, thank you so much for this suggestion. No, obviously. I did enjoy like visiting both of these movies, so thank you, Gif, for um, for that. Uh, like I, I was not expecting to enjoy Edward Scissorhands as much as I did, and despite my problems with it, I did have a good time with that movie. Yeah, you gave it a four on Letterboxd. I, d- I was teetering between three and a half and four, and I decided I'll just give it a four. I'll be not, you know, I'll just, whatever. I'll throw Tim, I'll throw Mr. Tim Burton a bone. Here you go. 
Though oddly, there you go. oddly and, enough, though, what was really funny is afterwards, Joey's like, "What what movies of his would you want to talk about, or what could we talk about?" So, I'm just saying, <laughs> maybe there's a bug there. Though, though, I think uh, it's listen. mostly just Pee Wee. On that note, I think Pee Wee's like it. <laughs> I think Pee Wee's the next one, admittedly. Oh man! Although I, you know. Man, I would like to talk about Dark Shadows. Just talk about <laughs> Dark Shadows. <laughs> like, what is this movie, and why is it entertaining? I don't know. Like, like now I just want to get the entire Dark Shadows DVD set, like the OG show, <laughs> and just watch Jonathan Frid, may he rest in peace, um, as Barnabas. <laughs> <laughs> the best, the best Jonathan to ever play Barnabas. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Dent. <laughs> and you know what the best part of this whole thing is? You got Joey to remember the stand-up guys. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> stand-up guys. It was good, actually. <laughs> I only saw it once, but it was good. <laughs> Oh my god, we're gonna rewatch that. It's gonna be like what, <laughs> dude? It's gonna be like my 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 twenty the tw- like you know those like ten year old me liked Van Helsing. This is like twenty something me liking it. I'm like yeah, the in- uh, not the in- um stand up guys, yeah, yeah, stand up guys, <laughs> not the in laws, stand up guys. In laws is a great movie though. Um, Peter Fox also is, is Peter Fox in that one, and that's that movie is freaking hysterical. We got to get that on the show at some point. Um, folks, what is your favorite? What, what are your favorite David Lynch movies? Uh, have you watched Twin Peaks? Don't spoil it for me. I'm still working through it. Um, have you? Uh, what are your favorite Tim Burton movies? Uh, please. Let us know this um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Do you have something to say, Richard? It seems like you do. No, I'm still thinking about the stand-up guys. <laughs> stand-up guys. Stand-up guys. Yeah. Dude, now I'm going to watch that movie this weekend, and it's going to be an experience. Oh, man, that's going to be a whole thing, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, like yes. mix any hol- holiday movie double features we got coming up, because stand-up guys! Stand up, guys! Joey liked it when he saw it in theaters! Stand up, guys! Stand up, guys! Anyway, folks, that's gonna wrap it up for this week's episode of Two Stand Up Guys, One Double Feature. Check us out next time! Have a good night, everyone, and happy Halloween, and happy birthday, Gifford! And yay, stand up, guys! <laughs> Stand up, guys! Alan Arkin! Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
Stand up, guys. <laughs>